the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is a podcast about and for the philanthropic community in San Antonio and South Texas. We introduce organizations and people who are making an impact in the community. Beneficent Financial is proud to sponsor this podcast, and it is our hope that you enjoy this conversation about the impact we can have. The goal is to edify and inspire. Now, please join our host, Dan Rebman. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm very glad to be here at uh, Philanthropy SA and be joined by Becky Denon. Becky is uh, very, very active in the community in San Antonio in a whole variety of ways um, and impacts a lot of organizations all over town. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Dan, for having me. It's so exciting to hear that you've got Philanthropy SA started up, and it's a real honor for me to be here with you. Yeah, no, this is exciting, and thank you for being my first guest. Of course. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about how you got involved in philanthropy in general, I guess. Oh, you're very kind. Well, you know, I think that I probably got started in doing this kind of work um, just as a kid. It's, I think that a lot of us who work in this space have this kind of built into us when we're, when we're younger. When we were little, it was called going on mission trips or doing something with church or in 4-H was my case, where you just did leadership development and you, you always had projects where you're working with people in the community or you're doing Saturday weekend projects and things like that. So it's always been really a part of what I've, I loved. Most of my career, though, was in the faith-based community, as most nonprofits usually have a faith-based background. I come from that space, too. And always wanted, I always loved church growing up and... Um, just kind of felt like this was going to be wanted to do something that mattered not that uh, working at a bank or something else doesn't matter but this is kind of the space in the industry that I've been working in for a long time uh, and d- and did that mostly in faith-based work for the first 20 years so not a I mean not a not a long story I worked at a, a private university in Dallas for a few years I studied theology in Switzerland for a couple of years and worked at a school that I studied at and then came back and did some fundraising for a small uh, company that was a a nonprofit publisher in Nashville, Tennessee. Came back to Texas, where I'm from, and worked at a financial services nonprofit for several years and went from there to denominational service where I was the vice president for uh, communications for the State Baptist Convention. And this was during a pretty tumultuous time during Baptist, as if there weren't a tumultuous time, but during the 70s and 80s and 90s, there was a lot going on politically. And Texas Baptists were considered to be moderates, and um, being a single female in that role, I was, I was the youngest um, and the only female on the leadership council for the State Baptist Convention. And so that was a very... 
Um, well, it was a learning experience. Um, it was very good for me. It was very good for me to have learned a lot. And it gave me a lot of kind of background for where I am today and what I went to from there. So really ministry that most of us call nonprofit work is the same thing. It's working in community and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, from, uh, from the state convention, I came to San Antonio. I moved here the weekend of Katrina. And so one of those things, you know, that you love about San Antonio is that it's a very welcoming town. And that was the week that Katrina hit and the mayor then was Harburger. And he announced that uh, the refugees and the people who were being um, flooded out of New Orleans were welcome in San Antonio. And that was a big deal. It said to me, this is the kind of town that I want to stay in and that I want to live in. And to this day, you know, Phil Harburger is known for that welp- welcoming, for being that mayor in, in Texas that would take so many people, uh, did some volunteering for several nonprofits during that time. But I was, uh, I was doing fundraising for Wayland Baptist and starting a nursing program. We had to raise money for that. And then I went from there to the Chamber of Commerce, where I was the director of communications, image and communications for eight years. And then I did something even crazier as I I went to work for the Alamo as the director of the Alamo. And so I was the person that transitioned the Alamo downtown from management by the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, and they had done that for 110 years, to a private um, nonprofit charity. And we started those nonprofits. Um, There was an operations nonprofit, a foundation, and then the uh, the Alamo Endowment, which is sort of an umbrella organization over that. So I transitioned the Alamo from the DRT over to kind of management from from a, a separate nonprofit. And uh, family things happened, and I left that to be home with family while my mother was ill and needed something that was very flexible that wasn't 60 hours a week and something where I could be available for her. And that was when a friend of mine called me and said, Hey, Becky, uh, I had just stepped down from the Alamo. And the next day, a local civic leader who started many nonprofits called me, Harriet Helmley, called me and said, Hey, I got something for you. And she said, I need you to help us start this nonprofit in San Antonio. It's called Social Venture Partners. It's a mouthful to say, Social Venture Partners San Antonio. And so I really liked this model of giving. It is a giving circle or a membership organization or whatever word you want to use for it. But it's something that's uh, in philanthropy today. There are um, different models of, of giving circles or collaboratives, and that's what Social Venture Partners is. We give our time and our money to nonprofits to help them grow and do something in the community so it's been fun to be a part of that. I'm now on my five and a half year. Uh, COVID happened. Lots happened in the middle. But it's good to be with an organization that gave me the kind of flexibility I needed for my family and to to still make a significant impact in San Antonio. Yeah, well, we're glad you're here because that's how I got to know Becky was through Social Venture Partners. So, and she's right, it's a mouthful. So a lot of times we just say SVPSA, right? Social Venture Partner San Antonio. Um, great organization. Um, tell us a little bit, let's do a, you know, with all the organizations that you uh, mentioned and are involved with, you've obviously 
seen a lot of different things in a lot of different organizations. Um, uh, we could do a whole other podcast. I, I want to hear about the nonprofit financial services. I didn't being in financial services. I didn't know that existed. So that's a whole other issue. Um, but let's talk about social venture partners. Tell us a little bit about social venture partners um, and kind of what you know what it is that you know what's it like trying to herd this group of cats called the partners of social venture partners yeah well social venture partners is a collection of partners we call our donors partners and each individual including me we give um, anywhere from a thousand to up to ten fifteen thousand dollars each year to the organization to support our collective work and then we we meet together and decide how we're going to invest that money into the community and that can be in a lot of different ways. Um, first thing I usually get, though, when, when, I, when I start talking about social venture partners is people say, why on earth would you start another nonprofit? Isn't there enough? Well, I agree. There are probably too many nonprofits out there, and a lot of them have a lot of crossover. What we found, though, is in the space of skilled volunteering that there was nothing out there. And there was not, there's not a place for individuals who don't necessarily want to be put on a board who may not want to, or maybe you do, but not full-time, and, and people who just want to do what they do, marketing, HR, finance, IT, but do that maybe for little small pieces as a volunteer for a nonprofit. So we found that there's actually a, a, a growing need for people to volunteer to do their community service time, either from their company or maybe their business wants to be engaged but they want to give back at what they're skilled at doing. And that skilled volunteer space was empty in San Antonio. And that's why Social Venture Partners appealed to me. It's doing what I do already. My nonprofit background in marketing and PR has really been helpful in uh, working with the nonprofits that we work with now. So um, we found that to be a tremendous um, benefit. The idea of social venture partners is to sort of act like an investment partner in the same way that a, a venture capitalist might invest in a small business or a new startup. So we have that same kind of model of working with nonprofits. We like to accelerate their growth. We like to be an incubator for leaders who are learning in that space. And we have partners, a wonderful set of partners, including Dan here, who have a great deal of experience in management and starting businesses. They understand finance. I have to tell you, a lot of nonprofit leaders, we, they struggle in the area of finance and bookkeeping. And that's not something you can always go out and hire. So you lean on your board members or you lean on a skilled volunteer like Dan to help them understand, okay, how should we be looking at our at our our books. Um, what are those ratios that matter? And, and people like Dan know the answers to that. So that's why we're grateful to have um, skilled professionals who are donors and our partners in investing in nonprofits across San Antonio. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Many of you out there care deeply about wanting to make an impact on the world around you. You want to help take care of the people and organizations that are important to you. We understand that because we feel the same way. Beneficent Financial wants to help you. Our mission is to help people like you with professional, individualized financial advice achieve their objectives. Whether your financial legacy will stay within your family or benefit the community at large, we are able to help. Call Beneficent Financial today at 210 210- 
888-999-5511. In addition to traditional wealth management, we offer philanthropic services such as direct donations of required minimum distributions, donor advice funds, and foundations. Call 210-999-5511 or go online to beneficentfinancial.net. Let us help you do well so you can do good. Securities offered through Momentum Independent Network, member SIPC slash FINRA. Welcome back to Philanthropy SA. We're going to continue our conversation now. Um, the appeal for me personally was just the ability to have an impact across multiple organizations, right? Um, and I'd been in a place where I'd done a deeper dive in one organization, and that was very fulfilling in its own way. But at the same time, the ability to be able to reach out across multiple organizations and have an impact was certainly one of the appeals for me um, as I was looking to get involved with social venture partners. Two of the things that social venture partners do that I think are really tremendous and, and help the community uh, in a major way and kind of fall into that um, you know, uh, best kept secrets category a little bit um, is the uh, a program called Catch a Fire and then uh, the fellowship that we do for promoting leadership within nonprofits. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about those two programs? Sure. Uh, we really have a lot of fun on our pro- programs. And we learned that by getting to know these nonprofits the way we have, that there are a lot of generalized needs that they need, but they are also very specific. Um, a lot of people will will say, you know, what are some of the growing needs in nonprofits today? And what do you see are really the the crisis points where they're hitting? And these two programs really address that specifically. And that is the the leadership development for nonprofits that needs to be available and we'd love to duplicate what we do. Our fellowship is a leadership development program for CEOs or COO level nonprofit leaders and we take them through six full days of coursework in very practical operations areas. We will talk one full day about leadership and soft skills. We'll talk a full day about finances, how to read your tax returns, your 990s, how to how your books will look different as a nonprofit and how to use that to tell your nonprofit story. We'll spend a whole day on fundraising, on IT and cybersecurity, a significant area now that's so important to nonprofits because we raise money online, right? And our websites are all online and nobody needs all that to go down. So we spend um, those days on very practical uh, steps. And something that, you know, people ask me, don't we have enough of that or, or what's unique about that kind of thing? I can say it's great to have the operational skills and operational classes and things like that. But what really happens in there is when somebody like Dan or one of our other partners, like Jennifer Moriarty, or when Billy Cox walks in the room, and here's somebody who's had a a whole career of IT or nonprofit board management or finances. And, and here's a nonprofit leader who never knew that he or she had access to this kind of knowledge or this kind of person. These are people who are very high profile often. They're people who have deep roots in the community and great strong networks with big fundraisers. And there are a lot of nonprofits who don't feel like they have access. They don't have a champion in their corner, if you will. So we have this fellowship, not necessarily for them to learn all this stuff. You can get a lot of that stuff. You can even get it on free seminars, but they do it for the friendship and the relationships. 
something that I found out very early on in my nonprofit work, and it's probably true in every under, other industry, but I know it's it is true and definitely in nonprofit. Um, you've got to have those relationships. I've been in very large and very small nonprofits, and what's kept me doing this kind of work is uh, situations where you really feel like you kind of had that aha moment before you kind of switch out, maybe go a different route. Um, I had one of those moments back in when I was in my 30s, and um, and that's one of the things that gives me such great value is seeing this kind of um, relationship building happen in the fellowship. It's happened to me. I was in a, a tough place. I needed um, – I was the only one in the office. Uh, it's a very lonely place to be in nonprofit work. Uh, I was the one that was cleaning out the trash can and building the database and putting together a newsletter and doing the editing on all of our curriculum work. And – you know, picking up the mail and making sure that we had enough scissors on the table. It's simple things like that, but it's it's a very real part of, uh, of nonprofit work. Plus, you have these needs and calls of people needing things, and because you're called to do this, you stay. You stay until 10 o'clock at night to get stuff done. And you need, sometimes you just need another hands on deck, or you need somebody to say, hey, it's going to be okay tomorrow. And I had had one of those days. I'd had one of those phases in my career where we didn't have enough money to buy more than two pairs of scissors. It was just insane. You don't spend money in nonprofits on simple, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, you just you just don't have the money for it. And um, and one of my board members came and spent two days with us on site and said here. And this was a person that happened to be a marketing expert. So it was somebody who spoke my language, somebody who knew PR marketing. And pulled me aside and said, I'm going to take you out of the office. I'm going to take you down to this bookstore, and I'm going to show you some things that are going to keep you going. So I stepped away from the the IT and the newsletter and all that stuff. And we spent the day in the bookstore just reading up on new authors, on uh, new things that were happening in public relations and marketing. It was the first time, this will date me, that's the first time that somebody handed me the book Good to Great. It was right after Jim Collins put that out. I needed somebody like that. To tell me, I believe in you. This is worth it. There are people who are benefiting from what your work is. And you can do this. In fact, you're good at it. We want you to stay in this. We can't afford to lose this kind of talent. That message of I believe in you is what we try to put through in the fellowship. We We have your back. We will help you champion your work. We are learning as much about community in the fellowship as they may be learning about IT or fundraising or whatever it is that I might be able to present that day. But we're learning about what's happening in communities. We're learning about what's happening in families, um, what these nonprofit leaders are on the front, front lines of uh, people experiencing homelessness. They're on the front lines of those who have uh, food insecurity, who have nothing to be able to give their kids for food for breakfast in the morning before they send them off to school. And I need to see that perspective. It's not something that I am exposed to every day. And so I'm learning about community that way. And that's what makes me excited about the fellowship and about what we do in those leadership programs. And I do. I have their back. I I still keep up with all 37. We've had three classes now wow. that have gone through. And each one of them are very special to us. We've had a couple of organizations that have sent more than one staff member through. And so it gives us even more opportunity to know the people who are doing these things. This is not easy work. 
uh, but it is hard work. And I think that's why social venture partners, why we stick together is we are learning this together and um, getting to know our community a little bit more, finding out the causes of things and, and making that impact. We measure everything like crazy. We do surveys after every uh, workshop to make sure that what we're doing makes um, is impactful and that they can take stuff home with them that they can use the next day. If they say that this wasn't as good, then we try to improve that workshop next time. Uh, Catch a fire you mentioned. I told you about this you know, situation where I had to lay out the newsletter and I had to pick up the mail and I had to do the QuickBooks and I had to do all that. Catch a Fire is another skills-based volunteer opportunity that we saw. It just happened to be in 2020 when, when COVID hit. We knew that we didn't have – we have um, just over 40 partners, and we don't have the bandwidth to do all that we want to do. It's just that simple. We want to do more just like everybody else and wanted to impact more, and we found, a, we found a tool. It's a portal for matching skilled volunteers with nonprofits. And I signed up just as a volunteer out of curiosity, right? It's catchafire.org. It was this online matching kind of match.com, but for volunteers and nonprofits. But I noticed when I signed up, there were no San Antonio nonprofits. And I was like, well, what if I want to do this for some of my people, you know? Where, where are my nonprofits? And so I called them. And one of those, I'll call, I'll ask. And we called him and Catch a Fire said, well, we don't have a funder in San Antonio that has uh, made it available to San Antonio nonprofits. So I started sniffing around. As it turned out, we needed to put together a collaborative of funders to raise the money to make it um, accessible for 100 nonprofits in, in San Antonio. So uh, Jennifer Moriarty and I and Billy Cox, we set about calling around some of our friends in the funding organizations and said, hey, if you'll put in $20,000, we'll put in $20,000, and we'll get five of our friends to do the same thing. And we did. So we raised $100,000 that first year in order to launch Catch a Fire to 100 nonprofits. Imagine that. A little donor circle with 40 people can now reach 100 nonprofits. Before that, we were reaching 15 with each year with the fellowship. And with a, a long-term investment, we might be able to reach one at a time. But now we're up to, this is our third year to do Catch a Fire. And we have more funders that are involved. Um, we have invested now uh, around $350,000 in that. And I told you earlier that we measure everything, Dan, right? Uh, I am Got to have it on a that. spreadsheet. You got to have that data. <laughs> And we measure all of the projects that are, that are completed on that portal with volunteers with all of the nonprofits we sponsor. Two weeks ago, we hit $1.5 million in value through That's the Catch incredible. a Fire. And we're really, really proud of that. We're really glad that we can leverage our gift of, you know, $1,000 each to be able to impact a million and a half value across San Antonio. And that, that's the idea of investing in nonprofits, investing in things that help them do more, get bigger, do more, reach more people that, that our model of giving is really all about. Yeah, that's an incredible return on investment. Um, if people, whether it's Catch a Fire or the Fellowship or just wanting to be involved in organizations like this, what's the best way for people – to uh, reach out and talk to you or somebody else at Social Venture Partners about getting involved? Oh, we'd love to have more people involved. Um, I think that all of us are better from the relationships that we have with the nonprofit leaders here. So you can call us. Our website is SVPSA. It's our acronym. 
um, svpsa.org. And you can get on there. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can you can email me at info at svpsa.org, and we'll get right back to you. The idea is for us to introduce you to nonprofits. Maybe they're doing something that you really care about. Maybe it's about animal care. Maybe it's about um, finding a cure for cancer, whatever that might be. We now have uh, the opportunity to be related to and championing more than 125 nonprofits. And so I can help you find a, you know, a group that you might want to invest in directly. Or if you want to get involved with all of it, we would love to have more people invested with us here in San Antonio. Absolutely. So in addition to all the good stuff going on at Social Venture Partners and, of course, with your background and all the organizations that you touch, you mentioned 125 of them, um, what would be kind of your assessment of the nonprofit space coming out of COVID? Is organizations, you know, starting to emerge from that and and we've seen things in society that are different and some that are returning to quotes and quotes normal. Mm-hmm. And for some situations, it's a new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that look like in, from your vantage point in the nonprofit world? Now that's a great question. And um, I think all of us uh, want to be sure that we're still doing things in this new normal in the right way. So we do talk to a lot of nonprofits. I talk to a lot of people every day and am listening in that field. Just like many in the in the business arena, nonprofits are struggling finding staff, especially frontline staff. Um, and nonprofits cannot raise rates as fast as a, a, a small business can. It has to go through a board and it has to be approved. And you have to have, sometimes you have to go out and raise the money before you can pay someone more. So they're really having a staffing crisis. And it's at every level. It's not just the people who are working, you know, putting food boxes together. We're, we're, we see a huge gap right now in finding development officers, people who raise money for professional fundraisers. There's a significant need for good grant writers and people who are able to do storytelling, help the nonprofits write their stories, interpret the financials, put it into a grant. Um, a lot of those operational areas that we teach about in the fellowship are required to write a good grant. You have to measure everything and know what to measure. Your data has to be good. Your financials have to be in the order. You have to have good stories to tell. And um, those people who know how to do that, those grant writers, are they're tough to find right now. It is uh, a difficult space. So we, we do see, that again, that skills and gaps. Uh, gaps in skills and and that area where we're trying to help people come in, maybe if it's temporary or short term, to help them with that kind of thing. Or maybe raise, maybe it's a journalism student who's decided that grant writing is their thing. We can help them fill the gaps and help that person understand how to be a, how to be a grant writer instead of a journalist, perhaps. Um, we're seeing a lot of burnout from uh, executive directors and from leaders who've been there a while. Uh, this was a very hard time. It's hard to raise money right now. We have seen a really positive uptick in event participation. We can finally get back together again, and everybody's having a good time getting yeah. back together. So we have seen an uptick in that. Um, donors have been a little bit more tight on their giving, but they are coming back, and I think that that is a good sign for the next year, year and a half of positive things. 
I, I see a lot more opportunity and openness to merging nonprofits, which is something that as a funder on the funder side, we talk about a lot. Wouldn't it be nice if you could combine your administrative costs and your IT costs and maybe your human resources costs and be able to put together smaller nonprofits into one system? There's an efficiency there, and there's more openness to that right now than there was before COVID. So those are all really good things that are happening um, out there. In the in addition to not just the pandemic, but a lot of um, a lot of things happened in the middle of the pandemic that made us aware. I think that the the emergence of diversity, equity, and inclusion as a topic of something that we need to really pay attention to really came out during the pandemic. And I think that's a good discussion and a really strong thing that's happened in our culture. And I hope that it will continue to be an ongoing discussion of belonging is the way we talk about it is, Mm -hmm. is hoping that when somebody comes into our door, um, that, that they feel like they belong and, uh, no matter who it is or, Uh, what shape they may have been when they came in. So that, I think, is a very positive thing that that came out of COVID. It's a difficult conversation, but I think it's a very healthy and a really strong thing that came out of of the pandemic. Very good. Um, Let's pivot just a little bit here. Is you, because, again, the vantage point of seeing a lot of organizations uh, across the community, you know, we talked about, you know, you get asked, you know, why do we need another, mm-hmm. you know, any, you know, any particular area. Uh, and so we want to be sensitive to that. But yet there's still areas that are kind of underserved or mm-hmm. communities and, and places that are underserved. What what kind of areas do you see in San Antonio that kind of fit that criterion? That's that's another great question, Dan. Thanks. Um, we talk a lot to the nonprofits about where is their underfunding? And so maybe we look at it as an opportunity for investment for social venture partners. Mm -hmm. So we see some opportunity investing in um, agencies and organizations that are directly impacting uh, people and families who are experiencing homelessness. There are still a lot of gaps in that area where we have fewer individuals that were reported that are experiencing homelessness in San Antonio in the last count. However, the number of families has increased by 15 percent. Wow. So it's a different metric when you're talking about finding um, homes or finding something that's temporary or long term for a family that's experiencing that. Um, schools and how you get them in and out of schools, how you get the children to different school districts. So I think that's an area that uh, the city has begun to pay attention to, the county's begun to pay attention to. I also see that there's a significant gap that we lost in the year that our children could not go to school. So all of our education uh, organizations are talking together. I'm glad that they're collaborating to find out what do we need to do together to catch back up. Yeah. So any areas that, you know, we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that, you know, people hear about from you today? Oh, I don't know. I You heard me say collaborate a, a few times. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the buzzword and has been for a few years in philanthropy. If we work together, we can always do a little bit more. Um, sort of the core behind Social Venture Partners is 
sure, I can find four or five nonprofits I could give to individually, but if, if I sat in the room with five other really smart people, I could probably learn about something new that would be even more exciting. And so as we give together, I believe that our strength gets uh, and our impact is bigger. I think that leveraging our knowledge um, really can make a difference. And so collaborating at every level, at our, our individual donor level, we collaborate with other funders to provide Catch a Fire to all those nonprofits. Uh, we collaborate with our nonprofits in the fellowship to learn more, and we use them even as speakers in some of our education programs to help us learn about the community. So collaboration and talking together and, and sitting around the table together is um, is something that I feel like we we all can benefit from, and it's something I get excited about and sort of speaks to our, our mission at, at SVP. Absolutely. Um, and on top of all that and all the good work that gets done, uh, we have a good time too. So we that's, do. That's, that's, that's good <laughs> We're too. We're playing pickleball soon. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, one more time, let folks know how to get in touch with uh, Social Venture Partners here in San Antonio. Social Venture Partners, our acronym is SVPSA. Our website, svpsa.org. And you can always um, email me at info at svpsa.org. We'd love to have more people talk with us and give with us, uh, learn with us about our community and make a lasting impact. That's great. Well, Becky, I can't believe that uh, we're already done with the first podcast. So, you know, wow. and we, we'll, we'll have you back again after, uh, you know, a while to uh, get an update on SVP and, and what's going on in Social Venture Partners. But thank you very much for being here on behalf of uh, uh, the podcast and our sponsor, Beneficent Financial. I want to thank you for joining us and hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. I feel like we should have confetti flowing. There we go. Well, <laughs> Castrodonis, right? There you go. Thank you for joining us at Philanthropy SA. We hope you found something to inspire you during today's conversation. If you know organizations and people who are making an impact in the community, we'd love to hear about it. Until next time, do well so you can do good. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.